Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Lamb's book of life, your name's there. That is something to have joy about. So remember, God made man for joy. Man forfeited that joy with sin. God said, it's not over. I make a way back for all those who would come. Through his psalmist, he promised the beauty of living with him. This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through his series called The Believer's Basics. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Today's message is called Heaven. Pastor Rick will begin teaching in Philippians chapter 1. Whatever thoughts we have about heaven, they will be proven inadequate. We shall miss nothing about this life. Nothing, not a speck. It is carnal to suppose that you're going to miss the fall foliage on the trees. It is carnal to think you're going to miss sunsets or the sea or the mountains or the refreshing breezes that come with them or food or friends or churches or anything else. If you miss anything in heaven, you've, got, you've gone to the wrong place. Missing involves pain to long for, to wish you could have, the sorrow that could accompany those thoughts. To miss what we love is painful, and that is not going to be the case in heaven. Heaven is paradise supreme. It defies description. Though there is variety in heaven, And God makes that very clear in his word. So we come now to the characteristics that the scriptures give us about heaven. It is called in the New Testament in Corinthians and Ephesians, the third heaven. Because there's the the blue sky and then there's the outer space where the stars are. And then there is glory, that spiritual realm of heaven, which no spaceship can enter. Believers go to be with Christ at death. Paul said, it's it's good that I'm here for you, but it's better to be with Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. He struggled with that. He knew that his assignment was here. This was his duty station. And he was to be active here, but he could not wait to get to heaven yet He never, we have no evidence of him ever becoming imbalanced through spiritual thoughts. The throne room of God is in heaven. Isaiah chapter 6 lays that out right for us. But Revelation 22, and he showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now when we get to Revelation 21 and 22, talking about New Jerusalem, but there's a blend. There's a blend of New Jerusalem and heaven. And so you really can't mess it up, but you can get a little off with the distinctions between the two. And to no disadvantage, it just cautions the reader to think it through a little more. But Jesus did not ascend to the throne in heaven. He returned to it. You see, when the kings in Israel... When, when a king died and his son would come to the throne, he would then ascend to the throne, having never been there before. 
But when Christ Jesus came to earth and ascended to heaven, he returned to the throne that had been his since forever past. And there he is. And it is an active throne. And it is active on our behalf. Thus again, when Stephen was dying and going to heaven, Jesus stood up. There was activity in heaven on behalf of Stephen, on behalf of any of the saints. In fact, when Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you messing with me? He had Stephen in mind, yes, but every other Christian that was persecuted in Christ. Heaven is immeasurable. The new Jerusalem, that portion of heaven, heaven light, heaven mobile, it is 1,500 miles cube, 1,500 miles north to south and uh, east to west. I got to get my hand motions to match. (laughs) North to south, east to west. I know the difference. It's testing you. This is just, again, the abode of the righteous, the abode of those who who are saved. This is where you will live. My place is going to be better. I'm putting a lot of work in it to make sure because competition is critical to me. Now, of course, if you, if you don't know me and you think I'm being serious with that, I don't know what to say. But anyway, best back to this. The tree of life is there. The tree to the Christian is an emblem of life and the curse. The first tree you weren't to eat from, that tree in the garden, the first specified tree. God said to Adam, and of all the trees, of all these trees, you can have anything you want except one. Is that too much to ask, Adam? Is that too much to ask Eve? Evidently, it was. But actually, it was not. That tree the man was not to eat from. But Christ, the cross, we are to come to the cross. We are to commune with the cross. And in heaven, there will be the tree of life, which is the emblem of the curse, but also of the cure for the curse. All that John saw in the Revelation was symbolic. Everything had a message that belonged to it to tell us something about God and his interaction with us, with humanity, the good and the bad. Heaven is known by not so much what is there, though we know a few things that are there, but by what is not there. No curse. That is to say, no death, no anything that will ever ruin joy. That is what is in heaven, and what is not in heaven is the curse. This life, it is the valley of the shadow of death. But that life, no such thing. Revelation 22, verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That's me. That's you. You can write your name there, and I will serve him because he is worthy. Think of all the kings, again, of Judah and Israel who were unworthy of anyone serving them. Some of them were even assassinated, but not this king. Monarchy among men is the best system of rule, it seems, if the king be good. It is the worst if the king be bad. Our king is pure, holy, righteous, good beyond expression. There will be no sea, which serves as a great barrier 
to keep peoples from getting at each other too easily. Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. He kind of throws that in there. There's John on the Isle of Patmos when he received this revelation. He's a prisoner. The bars around him is the sea. And he gets this vision of heaven. He goes, huh, and there's no more sea. It's a place where I can travel freely. There's no sun. There's no night. There's no moon. There's no end. This is what awaits us in heaven. No, no night. Some of you, if you think you're going to miss sleep, you're wrong. Here, yeah. There, no. There'll be no need to sleep. There'll be no night. Revelation 22, verse 5. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, no light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. That is what it says straight out of Scripture. And they shall reign forever and ever. Servants who reign with Christ forever. There will be no pain. We, uh, again, learn a lot about heaven by what is absent in heaven. Revelation 21, 4. And again, I will read this verse any chance I get. I don't want to just insert it randomly into messages. But when I get a chance, I'm going to read this verse. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain or pain in the necks. <laughs> the former things have passed away. Well, that tells me there's no cars in heaven, no automobiles. How else can you have no pain in the necks? Just think the other guy is saying the same thing about you. There will be a city in heaven. I mentioned the word paradise in the Greek means a garden. But it also means, we're told, clear, straight out, that there's going to be a city. It appears in the new universe. Not that it's limited to the new universe. We're not to expect for one, one moment that what God says about new Jerusalem and heaven is all that there is to be said. Of course not. But we try to remain with the outline given to us through the scripture so we do not get kooky. And start adding to scripture, as is the manner of some, to their own doom. But there will be a city, Revelation 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Well, if you were a Jew living in the days of John the Apostle, and you've seen, you've watched so many Gentiles come into the faith, and now the church was, at this point, predominantly Gentile. And then you heard there will be a new Jerusalem, a holy city. You know, God didn't leave you out. That would be encouraging to a Jewish Christian, as it should be to any Jew when the gospel is properly given. So this verse is is telling us that John saw the holy city. That is nothing unclean, dirty, abominable, false, corrupt, disobedient, Foul, none of that will be in heaven, Revelation 21, 27. But there shall be by no means, let me reread that, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie 
but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, if you say, well, well, well there'll be black cherries in heaven, and let me put it this way, if there's not, you won't miss them. Whatever it is, you have to get your head under, to, or else you're not submitting to the reality of the beauty and the splendor and the perfect planning of God. Don't think carnal about heaven. Do not try to move stuff. Listen, as much as I love my truck, I won't miss it in heaven. Or else it won't be. It will be a place of sorrow. Revelation 21, 27, as I just uh, read. Well, I don't know if I read this. I did not. Verse 21. All right. Cut. All right. Action. Revelation 21, verse 27. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is huge. It is an exclusive membership. But you do not have to be born into, you know, it's not something where you're born into the right caste or right family or you have the right talents or enough money, work hard enough. You get into the Lamb's book of life through the Lamb's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Her walls will be jasper. I mean, the, the, the resources God has available to him. The avenues will have transparent gold streets in the city, in the holy city of New Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? I, again, I like to say that. You know, gold is so, so much goes into man, goes into man the mining gold and then processing gold, refining it, and then putting it to market or wherever it goes, protecting it. But in heaven, the stuff is asphalt. It, it's used as a road. And it's transparent. Twelve enormous gates of pearl. I don't even think, God doesn't need an oyster to make a, or a clam to make, a, clam to make a, a, a pearl, which is the result of irritation, incidentally. You know, some irritant gets inside of the, and the, the creature and it begins spinning around it, uh, to this coating to keep it from, being, from irritating themselves. And what kind of... Uh, Resources God has, again, the pearls speak of great value to us. And the gates, which will stay open, which means there's no threat. They're symbolic. Twelve gates, twelve angels at the gates. I don't know if that's one at each gate or twelve, it doesn't, but that's, you know, the, there'll be these creatures of strength, these messengers of God, those who care about us. When we die, we're taken by the angels, as in, in illustration. And the angels took Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. Speaking of the little children, they're angels who watch over. So we have this, this care for humanity by God, these creatures. The 12 foundations are made of assorted precious stones, Foundations, of course, speak of support. The gates will, will have the names of the 12 tribes, but the foundations will have the names of the 12 apostles. The symbolism, we'll be here a long time. We, might, we do a verse by verse in Revelation to get into all the symbolism, but I accept very easily the splendor of it all, the significance that God does care, regardless of what we may think about 
God's care in this life when we go through hard times. Revelation 21, 12, also speaking of New Jerusalem, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which were the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. There'll be no temple in heaven. Along again with no created light. I joke, if we get raptured before the service is over, I'll finish the sermon in heaven. But it's a joke, of course. There's no temple there. God is the temple. Revelation 21, 22, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Revelation 21, 23, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated illuminated it, the Lamb is its light. So if you say, I'm going to miss the moonlight of earth. No, you're not. God's got something much better. When you see what he has, you won't even remember what you left behind. Again, it is a place that has exclusive membership only for those who are saved, only for those who submit to Christ. Revelation 27, uh, 21, 27, we had read earlier, Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life are there. Full-blown joy is in heaven. We don't have that here. None of you have ever had full-blown joy. That means without interruption, without fear of losing it. You know, we get a little nervous when things are going too well. Stick around life too long, you say, oh, how long before this goes away? Well, there's a lot of cause for that. But joy like never before awaits us in heaven. Paul wrote to the Romans, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. There's no comparison. Don't even try it. But man forfeited. He forfeited his joy, his rights to dominion over his own will way back in Eden because he abandoned God's will. God, again, said, don't eat of that tree. Man did it anyway. And he forfeited the rights. And since then, it has been a struggle. And so Paul, again, writes to the Romans, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Sold to sin. I am a sinner now. The devil plays with my flesh. But he's not joking. He's after my destruction and the destruction of those around me. But man was made for joy. When you look at man, you're not seeing what God created. You're seeing what's left over. It's like uh, if you look at a, a, a high-speed a Maserati and it crashes into a, 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 an oncoming train. What's left is not what was designed and made. You're looking at the wreckage. And that is largely humanity. When God made man... When God made this physical creation, when he created the universe, the angels rejoiced. They were delighted. Job chapter 38, verse 7. This is when God says, not this verse, a few verses before it. God says to Job, where were you when I created the foundations of the world? And then he says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. They were delighted with what God had created because it was, there was no sin. Jesus said that his words were for our joy. 
John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, he's postponed that because of the circumstances that surround us, but he's not abandoned it. It will happen. Full joy awaits us, and that's what heaven is all about. Jesus, he described life in heaven as a life of joy. When he said in his parable about the faithful servant in Matthew 25, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Now, here it comes. And I think we often miss this verse section of the verse. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You know, we talk about I want to be, I want that day to come when he says to me, face to face, well done. Good and faithful servant. Well, where will I be when he says that? It will not be on the escalator going up to heaven. It will be in heaven. Feet on the ground. Well, feet on transparent gold. Well, that's the street. I don't know what the sidewalks are made out of. He encouraged us to have joy knowing where we're going. Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Lamb's book of life, your name's there. That is something to have joy about. So remember, God made man for joy. Man forfeited that joy with sin. God said, it's not over. I make a way back for all those who would come. And through his psalmist, he promised the beauty of living with him. The beauty of living with God. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, when he puts that forever in, he expands it. He puts it into heaven and us with him. But there are facts. Facts that uh, are out there that are missed by so many. Facts are supposed to form our decisions. When we come to Christ, it is because we've settled the fact in our own thinking, the truth. We understand what's really going to happen. We are heading for the city whose builder and maker is God. It is okay to long for heaven, not at the expense of serving on earth, though. Bunyan, in his Pilgrim's Progress, his character was working towards the celestial city, towards heaven. That was the goal. That's where he was going, and that's where he arrived. John chapter 17, verse 24, Jesus is talking to his father. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. The fact is that we're going to be with Christ. It is his desire, and he has made it possible And those who have rejected these facts, you're headed to the wrong place. You're not headed to to heaven. You're going towards the place that was prepared, not for man. The Bible says that it was prepared for the devil and the fallen angels. So we cannot talk about heaven without warning those who are missing heaven that there is also a place of torment, but nobody should go there. A life of holiness, purity, and peace is for those who come to Christ. Can it be so? Why not? 
Some are so guilty, they will not allow themselves to believe this. They feel so guilty. But Christ comes to remove the guilt. They would just submit. And so according to God, it is possible for sinners to make it in. And the question now comes back, is when a man dies, when you die, where will you be? I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in heaven. And I'm not going to be alone. There are going to be a lot of people there with me who love the Lord now and in this life. And so, we'll close with these words from Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, knowing that it's not a waste. This life that we live in Christ, as hard as it may be from time to time, it is not a waste. Thanks for joining us for today's teaching on Cross Reference Radio, the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville in Virginia. We hope you've been blessed by this Believer's Basic series, exploring the fundamentals of what it means to follow Christ. If you'd like to listen to more of this series or share it with someone you know, please visit crossreferenceradio.com. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast too so you'll never miss another edition. Just visit crossreferenceradio.com and follow the links under radio. Again, that's crossreferenceradio.com. That's all for today. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying the Word of God right here on Cross Reference Radio.